Hello there, and welcome to the Switch It Podcast, where in the spirit of dry January, I've removed all the jokes from my script. <laughs> <laughs> New Year, same old shtick. What jokes? <laughs> Oi, I'm joined by Andrew Miller and Mark Witcher, who are doubtless raring to get back on the England treadmill, so long as it doesn't involve any actual runner. 2019 has the potential to be pretty momentous for English cricket, and what better way to get warmed up than with a tour of the Caribbean? Joe Root's team will play three tests in what is their last series, barring a one-off match against Ireland, before attempting to reclaim the Ashes. Then it'll be over to Owen Morgan and the White Ball teams, lighting the long fuse on their World Cup build-up. As ever, Butch, there is plenty to play for over the coming weeks. Yeah, there sure is. Um, dry January. Why do you have to bring that up? <laughs> Suffer, suffers Just, from a quite, you know, get everyone in a cheery mood. A quite heavy downpour over the weekend. It's been dry other than that. But it, <laughs> It belted it down on Sunday. Um, oh, it wasn't, was that a forecast? <laughs> it wasn't forecast, no. but those are often the best ways. Um, it's going to yeah, be a huge year. Um, the, the test team in particular, after sort of gathering some, some uh, very overdue, long overdue wins um, away from home, uh, winning that series away from home in Sri Lanka, beating India, which after what they've just done to Australia tells you how, how good a performance that was at home during the summer. Um, there are still there are still un- unanswered questions, I suppose, in terms of uh, in terms of how a normal five day long test match might work out, given the the, uh, the the sides that they are able to pick or the or the skills that they're able to call upon um, in any given team. But one thing's for sure. Um, and we've known this for a while, is that we've got an unbelievable amount of highly, highly skilled players um, and that it appears at the minute that they can kind of throw them in in any, um, any variety, any, any, um, any line-up whatsoever and come out with a result. And it might not always be done in, a, in an orthodox way, i.e. score 500, batting first, bowl a team out, score a few runs again, bowl them out again. You know, very often it doesn't happen like that at all. Low first-inning scores, tail-enders scoring all the runs. Um, wickets coming from unlikely sources, all of those things, but none of that really matters when you get a win in the in the in the column. So, um, I've, West Indies has not been an easy place for England to win. Um, you know, very very proud to say that I was part of a side that, that did that for the first time in the Caribbean for a very very long time back in two thousand and four. Um, so West Indies shouldn't be taken lightly, but um, with the players that England are likely to leave out in this first Test match um, on Wednesday, players of the, the caliber of um, you know Chris Wokes. Perhaps Sam Curran, perhaps if they decide to play two spinners, Jack Leach if they decide to play one spinner and Adil Rashid, um, it, it tells you that England should be favourites and should sort of um, challenge themselves to win three nil with you know all things being equal with weather etc. Um, you know got some some older guys Stuart Broad who's done a lot of work um, you know trying to to revamp himself at a late point in his career, which tells you that he's very hungry to make sure that he's still around for a while, um, you know, particularly to, to take on the Aussies later on in the summer. And so this England side are going to be hungry and they're going to be very, very tough to beat, I think. And they should be bloody entertaining to watch, that's one thing for sure, because no matter if they win, lose or draw, there's always something exciting happening. Well, it should, should be entertaining, should win 3-0 Miller, as, as Butch's side did back in 2004. But uh, as, as he also alluded to, it's not been uh, the happiest sort of touring uh, location for England. That's their only test series win in the Caribbean since 1968 I think. It's incredible isn't it when you when you think realistically England have been the stronger side on paper for two decades 
to win just once in the Caribbean in two decades is is is, is nonsense, let alone let alone forty years. So um, yeah, I, I or fifty or fifty. I, <laughs> I, I am that old now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it, it makes no sense, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, England are a work in progress in Test cricket. Uh, I think they're a work in progress that are, that are, that are progressing incredibly rapidly all of a sudden. I, I genuinely feel that, that what they pulled off in, in Sri Lanka, albeit against a pretty weak Sri Lanka, was was a serious changing of the guard, a changing of the mindset, more to the point. The guard, as, as Butch mentions, the, the players, there's never been a problem with. It was the tactics they were using were just weren't functioning for them. But I think they've got themselves a position now that, that, that they, they've got confidence, they've got belief in, in their attacking mentality that, of course, they've taken across from one-day cricket. Um, the only thing that, will, that I think will be particularly intriguing is how they, they shake their, their pieces, throw them in the air and see who lands. It's going to be fascinating. It looks like Rashid will probably miss out. It looks like Joe Root might play as a second spinner. Who knows? Sam Curran might still get in. There, there's so, mm. mu- there's so, much, so much up, up in the air. Uh, one thing... We, can probably say is that Broad and Anderson will be reunited. Although, as mentioned before, Broad is, is still a guy who who is perhaps not on the outside looking in, but perhaps being squeezed to the margins by the by the sheer volume of alternative options in this in this new new look. And now he's dropped batting from his. Well, exactly. <laughs> now that he doesn't 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 bat like the rest of them. He's, he's expendable, which is extraordinary, really. But uh, that's just the way England England roll these days. Um, so yeah, they should win. Um, that said. We thought they should have won in 2015. They should have definitely won in 2009. Uh, they found ways to screw it up. And um, the, the one thing you can say about West Indies is they, is they never they never lack for incentive to beat England. Um, obviously, it was, it was uh, Colin Graves' mediocre comment uh, uh, four years ago that that, um, that threw them off kilter and, and, and led to that 1-1 fight back. Uh, some of the players that played a part in that are back this time. Darren Bravo, for instance, who... You can't pin all the hopes on Darren Bravo. He's not exactly Brian Lara come back to the fold, but he's a proven test performer with an average, average of 40, and he was the guy who scored the vital runs that squared the series last time around. Mm. And with guys like Craig Brathwaite at the top of the innings and, and Shy Hope, these guys who obviously gave us a, a hell of a beating at Headingley only last year. So mm. there, there, there's reason to believe that West Indies can pull something out of the hat, and they've got some quick bowlers too. But all things considered... It ought to be an England victory. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like to see from the West Indies. They've got, a, you know, Shimron Hetmeyer, I think, is a really exciting player. Left-hander, smashes it, plays spin unbelievably well, but has, has got a real a real sort of um, a game head on him as well. He's, kind of, he's not one of these guys who's... Um, <clears throat> Who is all sort of flair and big shots and doesn't really, you know, doesn't doesn't know how to read a situation. Um, so he's a terrific young player. Um, a Shane Thomas, um, big Jamaican, very very quick. I'd love to see him play because I don't think the West Indies don't don't stand to lose anything by throwing in some of these young young guys who are exciting um, in a series they're expected to lose. You know, I, I'd I'd be very very surprised if anybody in the Caribbean at the moment expects the West Indies to win this three match series against England. And under those circumstances, if you've got guys waiting in the wings who, who, who are extraordinary, you know, 90 mile an hour, 6 foot 7, whatever O'Shane Thomas is, you don't, nobody wants to bat against that. So, you know, I'd love to see him in the side. Um, but, yeah, the West Indies will, will be a stronger, a stronger batting lineup, I think, than we may have seen from them the last time we played them. In, in, in totality, that is. Um, with Bravo back and, and Hetmeyer in at six and Shea Hope looking as good a player as, as he always is threatened to be. Was it a f- few selections, uh, uh, questions for both teams? Um, 
previously, perhaps you'd have expected some of those to be answered uh, during during the uh, warm-up games. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the condensed nature of, of modern touring being what it is means that uh, England's preparations uh, consisted of back-to-back two-day matches at the 3Ws Oval uh, in Barbados. Uh, they made scores of 317 for 10 uh, and 379 and then took 30 wickets across 153 overs, uh, two, two separate days' play. Um, Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow, Rory Burns made sort of significant runs, uh, no hundreds there, but uh, pretty much everyone took wickets. Um, and it tells us all uh, the, the square root of sod all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the, the only thing, the only thing, and from a long way away, it, it's difficult to tell, but the only thing that sort of... that, that Flags to me that they're looking at going back to playing four quicks, with uh, Ben Stokes being one of them, and um, and just the one spinner, which would, without any doubt, be Moen Ali, um, is all of the talk that's gone on about how how much they're enjoying the the Duke ball or the sort of the, the revamped or the slightly hardier um, Duke ball that's been um, modified so that it can cope with the harder surfaces in the West Indies. Uh, you know, they've been talking about it, the fact that it, it keeps swinging, it stays hard, all of those types of things. So they're kind of um, giving us a, a bit of a, a steer that they're thinking along the lines of going with, with all the quicks again, which is kind of, which given given the fact that England have as many all rounds that they do, as they do, it's a bit of a, I suppose it's a bit of a shame in that that side, if one of the three wicket keepers wasn't playing, uh, <laughs> could could you could end up with everything again? You could end up with two, you know, two. Could be uh, a theme developing here with for two. Uh, <laughs> With two two specialist spinners, you have all all of the quick bowling you want, and, you, and the batting isn't weakened at all. Um, but you know Ben Folk, you can't leave Ben Folks out after what he did in, in Sri Lanka. Um, Johnny Bairstow now looks as though he's going to bat at number three, although I still feel that he's probably better off at number five. And Josh Butler is going to play well, bat six, and 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 not keep again. So um, you know it's it's interesting that the way that the, the team is evolving. I still think it's 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 left itself with a or, or the squad. Um, and the selectors and the captain have kind of left themselves with slightly fewer options than they than they once had, but the team is starting to look like a, a slightly more traditional Test match eleven, and that then that decision will come down between uh, Sam Curran and Jack Leach, I imagine. Which is, is extraordinary. Is I, I, I I agree, but again, if Ben Folks he is undroppable, but in an ideal world. He would be droppable, wouldn't he? In, in, in the, in the, for all the reasons you mentioned, then why, why have three, three wicketkeepers in his eye when you could have options? In, in England's most mm. glorious thing that happened to England in, the, in in Sri Lanka was that they suddenly produced a team that, that had options. They could they could skin any cat with any combination of bowlers and batting, frankly, because they batted down to ten. Um, mm. They're going to squander a little bit of that in this series, um, maybe for the greater good. Maybe it is it is wise to just. Just hone the specialists. Well, you know, it, it, ultimately, Test cricket is built on guys doing their best job best, rather mm. than having bits and pieces all over the place. But I don't know. I, I feel it, I feel it, there's a danger of it being a little bit of a missed trick this series. Well, well, I mean, one thing, one thing that if if the pitch turns out to be a, a bit of a flyer at Barbados, and they can be, they can be quick and bouncy. Then there's no no problem whatsoever with only having the one spinner inside and four quicks. I mean, that's what that's the way that England will play at home. Mm. Isn't it? You know, unless unless we're talking about you know another red hot summer and um, you know Bunsen at the at the Oval maybe or, or something like that, England will play four quicks and a spinner at home, um, 
away from home, it's just because sometimes the conditions aren't as easy to read and um, it would be nice if you had all of, all of the, the bases covered. However, you know, we've, I've been calling for it for a little while and that it, whilst it's brilliant to have this kind of like total cricket idea with, you know, everybody can do everything and you've got spinners and you've got quicks, you've got all that kind of stuff, eventually the, the law of averages kind of brings you back to something a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little bit more traditional. You've got, you know, the batter's doing the batting, the bowler's doing the bowling um, and specialist spin bowlers for, for matches that last into five days. If this pitch is, is a flyer in Barbados, the chance of it having a t- having time to wear and get to that fifth day become less and less. So you're not going to need that second spinner. Mm-hmm. It's just really it's really harsh on or on the guys who are left out. But England have already set a precedent for that. And you know, Stuart Broad didn't play. They left out. You know, they didn't play two opening bowlers in Sri Lanka. So I'm sure that the squad itself <coughs> is able to get its head around the fact that sometimes whether you think you deserve a place in the side or not, it's it's not your time. I mean, the it, conditions don't say so. It shows a little bit how we've been spoiled by, by England's uh, amount of options. Mm. Um, if you were to say that um, uh, Stokes is in, in the middle order, number five, uh, as, as an all-rounder anyway, but mm. um, Butler could arguably, as a specialist, you know, could bat above him, Bairstow at number three. If, if they were specialists rather than keepers, uh, batsmen who also keep mm. uh, there wouldn't be much argument about the balance of that team would there? Well quite I mean the, the thing is you're right they are they are exceptional batsmen at this, at this precise juncture not least folks who, who look like the missing link in, in Sri Lanka mm. and that he was a guy who could bat in a more traditional test match tempo to allow the guys around him to to go mental, and, and, then, you know. <laughs> but, and you know, the interesting thing is, none of this would have happened uh, had it not been for a game of football. You know, Johnny, oh, quite. Johnny would, <laughs> which might Johnny be banned be, from. Uh... Well, I hope it's not because it, it gives us all these interesting <laughs> selection conundrums. Yeah. Um, you know, Johnny, Johnny may well have you know played that played that series out, batting at uh, batting at five, six, or seven, and kept wicket. Ben Folks would have kicked his heels throughout the whole thing, and we and England would more than likely be going into uh, the first Test match in Barbados with all of the options that they, you know, three spinners, seven yeah. wicket keepers. <laughs> <laughs> no, but all the rest of it. But you know that 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 little twist of fate and a twist of ankle um, for Johnny has kind of uh, has led England down a slightly more conservative path. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. You know, I, you know, at the end you look at it and it kind of if the conditions match up, it looks like it will be the right way to go. It's just interesting having had two years of, of just complete madness in terms of English, England selection that they're starting to come back round to something that looks a bit more normal. And they'll obviously be judged on the results, but. Um, yeah. Moeen had a good tour of Sri Lanka, but was dropped the uh, the previous winter when he was kind of the lone spinner. Mm. We go going back to that uh, role where he's required to be a holding bowler and, well, and take wickets. I mean, it does risk upsetting there the balance was, they, they there, stumbled upon in in Sri Lanka. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, uh, George George wrote a very tenuous analogy about um, about Moeen, uh, Moeen and uh, Rashid being like a racehorse with a donkey going going around in the same same horse box to chill it out ahead of the race. It was like having <laughs> having 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 it was a better better in in, in print than in, in anecdote. But Who, who's the donkey? In well, that? well, Rashid was the guy who calmed down. The, the racehorse. He, he, here's 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 a guy okay. who can who 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 when he's got a, a colleague alongside him to take some of the pressure off, he yeah. plays a blinder. But when he's the only guy, he's expected to be a holding bowler, attacking bowler. He ends up being neither do, one thing or the other. And the, and the, and 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 the irony of that is, I've never seen a bowling racehorse. I did see a racing donkey actually in the back of Kamarama's tuk tuk the other day. Or a donkey that can bowl a googler. But one one thing that's the one sort of point about that 11 that gives me a cause for a sharp intake of breath because if the test match does go to a point where the spin bowler becomes incredibly important or you know 
need need Marinelli to hold, then by far England's best all-round spin bowler to be able to be able to do both jobs over the over the uh, the course of a five-test match innings would be Jack Leach. Mm. Indeed. But you're not going to leave out Moe and Doesn't have a Jack Leach, 100 or 5. No, well, there you go. I mean, so there, <laughs> there you have it. Once again, you're kind of making a bit of a compromise on, on, uh, on somebody's attributes in a specialist position for somebody who, who contributes in, in, in both areas of the game. And so you kind of, you've almost gone 300, no, 180 degrees back to where we were two or three years ago where Moe and Ali was the was the, the lone spinner but he was mainly in the side because he batted really well and might be able to chip in with a few wickets so he's possibly potentially he's kind of a guy for whom he needs to prove to us and to himself and to everybody else that given that given the, the conditions whereby he is the lone spinner that he is the guy who's best who's best to do that because if he's not then England might have to think very carefully about sort of substituting his runs um, you know, Ben Folkes is more than capable of batting seven. Sam Curran's more than capable of batting eight. Um, sacrificing his runs for the guy who can do the job as the lone spinner best. And you know, given the two of them, I would say that that was Jack Leach. And this is not a Moinelli sledging situation. It's just the the, the stark reality of it um, that if you only have the one guy, he probably should be your best one. And moreover, if you only have one spinner and only four seamers as opposed to five, that also puts pressure on the seamers. If they don't, if you don't have the spinner gets hit out of the attack, you're going to end up leaning on Jimmy Anderson to provide the holding role, which Kate takes out his incisive attacking edge. So you know there are yeah. knock-on effects from England going back to tradition. <laughs> I do like this. Sounds like a switch fit from 2015, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> but you know, but that's that's where we are. We've well, kind of ended up back. We've mm. ended up back there. The law of unintended consequences. Correct, uh, we, right. we, we've. Uh, touched on Broad being left out of the last tour uh, seems like he's uh, edging towards being back in the side took a hat-trick uh, one of the other things to mention in the warm-ups um, him and Anderson uh, they're co- closing in on a combined landmark of a thousand <laughs> wickets. test Two wickets, wickets away. Um, but yet Broad could lose the new ball uh, yeah well they were talking if, about that in- if Sam Curran um, uh, gets a chance to swing it up front. They tried that back in um, back in New Zealand last year, didn't they? They took the new ball off him, and that didn't last long. After England were fifty eight all out, they thought revert back to back to basics. And uh, but uh, it, it, clearly, they've got to have a succession plan at some stage. I mean, you can't you can't rely on these two growing old together and then disappearing at the same time. And then you, well, now where do we look? I mean, you got Ollie Stone's gone lame. The, England don't have an obvious next next cap of the rank. Chris Wokes theoretically but he can't get in the side at the moment so uh, you know it, it's difficult there's no obvious replacement for those two so a gradual a gradual easing out of reliance on, on, on either one or the other is probably sensible if not ideal for the for the foreseeable there's probably an argument Butch that Curran given his skills uh, you know the new ball swinging it a bit it, mm. that's a that's a good, good role for him possibly although you know the, the, all the talk about Stuart and the work that he's done has got him back swinging the ball moving the ball again um, I don't know I mean I'm guessing that I'm guessing that uh, at some point during the during the three test matches they'll they'll mix it around a little bit I don't think they should be set in stone but I'd be very surprised if Anderson and Broad didn't take the new ball because uh, I reckon it's going to be quick and bouncy you know if it, if it lives up to, to reputation and to type then it should be a well, quick bouncy pitch and so I saw it space. yeah and so and, and therefore you know there are two two wickets for a thousand and one of them's not going to take the new ball don't pan to Bob Willis when you're telling them that you know <laughs> it's a good job that um, 
Joe Root drop those two catches off Broad in Colombo? Because otherwise they'd have reached a thousand with one of them off the pitch. Well, very sad moment. What, that would be awful, wouldn't that, it? Well, that, that would, yeah, <laughs> no sense of occasion. No, would <laughs> Obviously, Root, Root knew. But, but uh, we touched on Broad kind of working on his um, on his action, working on his run up. He's on a shorter run up now. Apparently so. Um, yes. He is the younger man out of, out of the two. Um, uh, there's a sense that Anderson's, you know, been getting better with age and, and, and mm. Broad's had that question mark over him but he's clearly not willing to just sort of go quietly into well, the I mean, An- Anderson, the Anderson is just so compact these days such a such a focused unit of just bustle into the into the, into the the crease and deliver the goods he, he just doesn't look like he breaks sweat at any stage which is incredible and some of the spells he was bowling uh, last year were just were just incredible for a 37 year old now or something like that but you know he, he keeps keeps pounding in I mean obviously Broad has always relied on sort of getting his knees pumping to get into his best spells there's clearly just a little bit more effort goes into it but yeah he's gotten a little bit shorter a little bit more explosive concentrating more on his wrist position I think and you know as we say worked with Sir Richard Hadley indeed and that certainly did work it with him worked for him and well yeah so that, yeah, the two yeah. of them have been have sort of discussed it and decided that Stewart could do with a bit more height at the crease. You know, the, the sort of momentum was was that causing him to to collapse and move, which he's always done. Really, he's always had this tendency to kind of to, to get low and and to, for his front arm to sort of disappear off to cover point. And you know, that's something that's always been part of his action. So, great man to work with. If you're gonna if you're gonna get somebody to help you out bowling off a trying to maintain height, keep your wrist <laughs> behind the ball off a short run up, then Sir yeah. Richard Hadley's your man. It doesn't get better. No. But I mean, he's you know the, the one the one thing that's to say about the warm ups though. I mean, from what George was saying, there there seemed to be a certain amount of uh, miffed opposition. I think is fair to say a lot of a lot of these guys who are who are li- liable to either make their debut even or, or feature in the in the in the in the test match. I think they felt a little bit cheesed off at being used as as cannon fodder for a glorified net. So it's probably hard to to read too much into. You know, hat trick in one innings, and, mm. and I think Curran and Broad both struck with their first balls in the second innings. So, you know, there's a, there's mm. a lot of lot of um, half-assed batting going on. I think I think it's fair <laughs> to say. But you know, I'd rather like you know goal scorers scoring tap-ins. You know, just the fact that the numbers are going up and you're yeah. and you're regularly getting the ball in the back of the net, or you're regularly taking wickets, just does wonders for the confidence. Particularly when you re- when you're trying to rebuild your action. You know, mm. it's, it's very quite often you do something like that, and it takes a long while before they, it starts to bear fruit. But if you get Sort of positive reaffirmation that the whole thing is working straight away. Then you're kind of like, wow, this is amazing, and you can't wait to get out there again. So it can't have done him any harm. We'll find out uh, in a few days whether Admiral Akbar style it's a trap. <laughs> um, uh, Butch has sort of, sort of touched on this, but let, let's talk uh, dukes causing carnage, and I don't mean on the roads around Sandringham. It could be quite a ride. Um, uh, Particularly if this, if this uh, specially designed ball uh, swings all day for, for James Anderson, um, does this? I mean, uh, George was reporting um, that Stuart Law and, and Nick Pothas, who were the sort of the previous coaching team, uh, they wanted to use a Kookaburra ball for this series, um, and you can see why. <laughs> does, does it play into England's sort of total cricket all-out um, action, you know, wickets tumbling type uh, blueprint? If, if the ball is as potent as, as we're sort of looking. It surely has to be. I mean, you'd, and you have to look at Anderson's effectiveness in, on English pitches with Dukes. It's just, uh, and, and also bear in mind Virat Kohli's comments the other day. He was talking about the Ashes challenge next summer and saying that you know you, you, there's no point in going out to bat with an ego if you if you're facing a Dukes ball because Dukes are very good at 
pricking egos, and it was a, it was a great quote and a very apposite quote of given given the way he uh, he slogged his way to an incredible summer. You know, he did the hard yards essentially to to get the runs, and you know that's I suppose is is fundamental. Just just yeah, seeing off that new ball, I suppose. It's got, got to be done. It, it, it highlights a kind of wider issue, though, that whole row, if indeed there is one. And the nonsense of just of not having a, a universal ball to play test match cricket with. I mean, why, why should there even be a, a question over which type of, of mm. ball that you're going to use? Um, you know, and I'm not coming out in favour of one or the other. Obviously, you know, the bowlers are going to want the Dukes, the batters are going to want the <laughs> crook But at some point, somebody has got to make a call on this and say, we're playing test match cricket. That there's calls. There's been calls forever for a for a, a, a world championship and whatever. You can't play it with with two different cricket balls, or three different cricket balls, or four whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just complete nonsense. Yeah. S- SG cricket ball. Yeah, exactly. So you know that uh, sort it out. It's crap. <laughs> well, he's, 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 he's a toss. <laughs> you have a toss for the Dukes and the Reader in England, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember that. Yeah. There was you know at the at the over when. Um, Never used the when Wakai Yunus when Wakai Yunus turned up ninety one, um, very very quickly became apparent that that uh, he was far more dangerous with the readable readable reverse swung was easier to get reverse swinging, easier um, <laughs> to get reverse swinging than Duke one was and so so, so we were always very keen to use a readable um, you know of course you you'll choose or try to choose or try to, to to have the advantage where you can find it that suits your team but you know Test match cricket it should be. <laughs> should be the same for everybody. There well, shouldn't be a case where one team is 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 uh, is, uh, is helped or hindered by uh, by the ball you use. Uh, well, at the moment, it's obviously down to the, to the home board. Uh, Johnny Grave is the is the CEO of my, Cricket my West old Indies. Mate, yeah, yeah. He he obviously likes uh, fast moving, entertaining cricket. Bring the crowds in. Well, is it, and does this point to sort of changing nature of of Test match in the Caribbean, which we've long associated? <laughs> Since you know, since the, the glory days of pace, but being slower, lower. At the, risk, um, at the risk of kind of bringing the ghost of George into this conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's always welcome. You know, the, the, I remember again, sort of hark back to the, to the old days. I'm talking to my old man um, after day two or day three, day two of the Sabine Bar Test match in 2004, and I've got ice packs all over me. I mean, bits. I've been smashed to pieces by. Tino and Fidel <laughs> on uh, on that day, and my old man said it was the best cricket he'd seen for years. <laughs> so I said, oh, "Thanks, Dad." <laughs> Everyone leaping around and batters getting their helmets knocked off, and he said it was just absolutely brilliant, compelling to watch. <laughs> um, and you don't get that on uh, on slow dirt heaps in in Guyana and places. And absolutely, so he's absolutely right. If you want to, you know, one of the one of the most visceral experiences of, of of touring in the Caribbean was not only the you know the fact that they were trying to kill you on the field Kirtley and Co on, on fast bouncy sometimes up and down pitches but the, the way that that translated itself into the support you know you'd be riding on the bus you'd have the you know the, you'd, everyone would know you were coming um, because of the, the police outriders and stuff on empty lanes doing about 80 miles an hour everyone sat in the bus like terrified <laughs> but you, you know you drive past the rum shacks they'd know you were coming so they heard the sirens and they'd all be outside going like this going they're going to kill you like this. you know <laughs> so before you even got to the ground it was like Jesus these people are serious no and that's you're not getting that with four spinners playing in the team are you so the, the, the faster the West Indies can get back to, to what made um, Caribbean cricket so compelling um, the more chance they have of, 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 of rekindling some of the, the excitement and interest that, that has always been there. I don't, I don't buy it that that's disappeared from the Caribbean. 
it's just become less exciting for them and less visceral, less manly, if you like, less macho. I mean, on that, on that note, you only have to look at the crowds <coughs> that turned up for the, for the Women's World T20. I mean, there's clearly a passion for yeah. getting behind a team that's doing well. Correct. And, uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll Correct. probably uh, to do And that. they're mm. expecting a, a sellout on the first day at Kensington Oval. From, from the sounds of it. Well, um, indeed, I hope it's a sellout that includes some locals, and it's not just not just <laughs> Brits. Um, <laughs> Brits bombarding uh, into 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 the holiday yeah, island. Unlikely, though, isn't it? Yeah. Especially in Barbados. I mean, that's that is that is the one sadness of this tour. And Mike Athen wrote a very good piece about it the other day <clears> in the Times. Was that you know basically they've 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 turned their back on Trinidad, Jamaica. They've, they've basically gone for the holiday islands mm. uh, to 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 cram in as many Brits as possible. Which <laughs> again, you can fully understand the the economic reasons for 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 going for. For sort of more boutiquey, perfect paradise isles, rather than the, than the, the sweat mm. and hell and leather that, that you might get in Sabina Park, but uh, you know it's, it is a shame uh, on that level at least. Indeed, um, one one stat just to, uh, to finish off that the discussion about balls, but uh, the last two years, uh, Test in the Caribbean uh, pace bowling average of twenty point one four. The two years prior to that, twenty eight point three nine. So quite a drop. Uh, obviously, England were there in 2015 and uh, couldn't bowl out uh, the Windies in Antigua mm. and uh, uh, and slog their way <laughs> through that tour for a one-all draw. So, um, if the evidence of certainly last summer when Sri Lanka and uh, Bangladesh uh, came and, uh, and wickets were tumbling for Shannon Gabriel and Jason Holder, well, indeed. Um, well, Jason Holder's an interesting one. I mean, obviously, obviously he's not exactly express, but um, no. with those, with a bit of, bit of help, bit of help from the pitch, he's been struggling with a with a the shoulder stroke <coughs> arm injury for mm. quite some time as well, which has been giving him some real trouble. I don't know if he's had that operated on him. He, he, I, I he think missed, he may have done, Martin. He certainly missed part of the tour of uh, India. Um, I think yeah. he averaged something ludicrous like twelve in in that period, ball, isn't he? Yeah. Which is last like, year, yeah, fifteen yeah. or something. So. Twelve, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's Caribbean cricket, isn't it? Quick bowlers. Yeah. And uh, as, as again, Butch mentioned earlier, they've, they've got a few of those to call on. Shannon Gabriel has been sort of resurgent in the last couple of years. He played a part in the, the win at Headingley, you mentioned. Uh, Holy averaging 12, I think, uh, last year. Alzari Joseph is, is back in the squad. Might be competing with O'Shane Thomas mm. uh, for a spot. And plenty of batting, too. Um, Shy Hope, Craig Brathwaite, yeah. um, Darren Bravo back looking for an encore. Of, uh, <laughs> well, indeed, they've, they've got talent. I mean, I remember, I remember watching Joseph in, a, in an ODI a couple of years back. He got four wickets. I mean, he went for a few, but he was brisk. I mean, he, mm. there were some proper wheels behind him. And again, he, I think he made his debut in the pink ball test at Edgbaston and got panned, uh, as did most most of the West Indies in that particular match with um, with, freezing, with, with freezing cold and <laughs> cook, cook in one of his moods and, yeah. and roots spanking around as well so you know not, not ideal circumstances and then he's been injured a lot but he's clearly got talent he's clearly got pace and, and a Shane Thomas uh, George did a slow-mo of his action the other day on uh, on he's, he's playing around with his iPhone and having lots of fun with it and yeah it's, it's just lovely to see a, a proper proper Big West Indian pounding through. I mean, certainly mm. is lovely to watch, not so much to face. <laughs> Maybe not from twenty-two yards. No, but. he's quick. Yeah, um, I have uh, I mean, first-hand experience of seeing how, how quickly he can bowl. It's impressive. <laughs> you faced him? No, no, no. <laughs> Second-hand. <laughs> um, I mean, in some ways, the, the talent is is always there, isn't it? And it, it's it's uniting everyone is the tougher mm. ask, uh, and which which kind of makes the appointment of uh, Richard Pybus as an interim coach. Uh, um, 
all the more sort of curious in that mm. it, it's a controversial one, uh, given his history uh, in the Caribbean. Obviously, Stuart Law decided to, to step away, having had some success. Um, I think six wins, I think, from 15 in, in, in tests. Uh, got them to the World Cup the hard way. Uh, he's, he's come over to Milsex now. Um, but, yeah, Pybus back in, and there yeah. have been some dissenting voices. Well, there have. I mean, it's interesting. I was down at, uh, down at Lords the other day talking to Law because he's obviously been unveiled as a Middlesex coach. And so, obviously, he didn't talk about Pybus directly, but he talked very openly about the disputes that uh, clearly have rumbled on throughout his two years out there. And, uh, obviously, Bravo coming back as a guy who basically had not been available to him in Test cricket for that entire period. So he was delighted on the one hand, but he said, you know, he'd had some very honest chats with with Bravo along the course of that two years, you know, part, part of the process of trying to reintegrate some of these guys who'd had disputes. And, you know, he was saying pretty candidly that some of the stuff he told him was just outrageous. It's like the, you've got to listen to the players from time to time. They're not just refusing to play for West Indies for for the sake of being prima donnas, for the sake of wanting better money at T20 games. You can you can see from the way that they performed at the World T20, say, in 2016, when all the all the old guard got back together for one last hurrah and, and, and basically well, took down England in the final and you know won their second trophy. They, you can tell there's a passion that still burns mm. for them to play for West Indies. Uh, it's just the, 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 you know, the, the, the cards are against them a lot of the time when the, ad, when the administrators don't help them. And, you know, it certainly a lot, seems to be a lot of that win was down, was down to the fact that they were basically saying a, a, a big two, two <laughs> things up to... Um, to, so I forgot we're getting we're on TV. Aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's a big it's a, it it a big up yeah. yours to the to the administrators as oh, much as any, as yeah. much as anything else. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that uh, Darren Sammy would say in press conferences and in interviews afterwards was a direct kind of you know this is this one's for you lot back at home um, for, for the fans. There you go. That shows you how much we care. And to the administrators we've done this despite you not because of you yeah so I mean what that means for Pybus I don't know but I mean he's thick skinned enough to I'm sure to I mean he was, he was kind of involved he was he? In, the, in the sort of the, the big overhaul which, which turned you know which, which made things go from bad to worse well, the West Indies, um, the West Indies press, press release, the CWI press release the other day, said that he was the he was the architect of the trifecta of the of victories in 2016. Not a phrase you hear is, often enough in press releases. Well, indeed. So, um, so you know, they, they obviously think he, he brings something, but I think I think the players, you know, they a lot of them, there are a lot of senior players within that squad. A lot of them, I think, are self-managing to a degree. Uh, certainly, when it comes again, they're bit between the teeth to beat England. I, I suspect they will they will find a way to find some focus even if they don't have all of the biggest guns possible available to them. Um, one last trip down, down memory lane before, before we finish up. Uh, do you remember who was uh, England's leading run scorer the last time they won in the Caribbean? I'm going to sit next one. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> what, was it, what was it like to hit the winning runs at Kensington Oval, I think? Uh, Kensington Oval, Trinidad. Yeah, about two, two of them. Kensington, yeah, Kensington Oval in Trinidad. Yeah. And I was off the field when Harmy took his 7 for 12 in, uh, <laughs> Is that what in Jamaica. Yeah. Just cooling you. <laughs> trying to get some feeling back in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, it was a, that, that, was, that was kind of uh, probably my, my favourite time um, as, a, as an England player, that tour. Um, Apart from that, watching 
Brian Lara score 400. No, well, even that was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you ever ever wanted to, a reminder Series of, just, wrapped up. of just how mortal you are with a bat in your hand, you just had to stand in the field for two and a half yeah. days and watch him do that. He did score more runs than, uh, than anyone. <laughs> than anyone than, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, having, having started a long way series. back. <laughs> a long way back going into the last test match. Yeah. Um, in, in, but, inconsequential tests. But, but, uh, but one thing about that, that trip, obviously it was the first time that Harmison, Jones, Hoggard and... Uh, and Flintoff were all in the in the same site together. Um, it was also kind of like the first time that um, Michael Vaughan was kind of properly in charge of, of, of the team. Um, and we had, you know, myself, who was lumped in with the veterans, which I suppose I was. I, was, I would have been, what, 32 then. Myself, Nasser and, and Thorpey, Thorpe who had been order. through, you know, those guys had been through it longer than I had in terms of being beaten up by the West Indies <laughs> at home and away um, all that time. And the three of us kind of played a significant part in, 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 the, in the win. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. It was, really was. It was, it was um, it, although it wasn't beating Ambrose and Walsh and, and, and those guys, they, they, they gave us a, a real torrid time of it, particularly in the first two Test matches. Um, Graham you had Thorpe, the bruises to, to show I had for the bruises. Right. Graham Thorpe pl- played one of the great innings in, in test matches to get us a one run lead at Kensington Oval and then Hoggy took a hat trick I mean yeah, that test it, match was, it, was it, awesome he's, he's scored 100 and the next high score was about 15, 15 or 20 or yeah something. It, was a br- it was a brilliant he, played, he, made, he made 100 with the tail basically on an absolute flyer at Kensington Oval it was a brilliant brilliant knock Hoggy then takes a hat trick Lara gets 400. Fred makes his, I think he gets his, makes his first 100 as, as an England player in the, in the last test at Antigua. Um, Harmy 7 for 12. There were just millions, thousands and thousands of great moments on the trip. We had like a, nearly a 10 day break between the, the, <laughs> between the test match uh, at, in Barbados and Antigua um, and had won the Series 3 0. So you can imagine what those 10 days looked like. Um, and all in all, it was, you know, a fabulous, a fabulous time to have been involved. I mean, it's interesting you say the, the, how closely fought those first two tests were. I mean, particularly mm. Sabina Park. I mean, you, obviously the seven for twelve rattle in. We forget it was three hundred plays three hundred and first innings, mm. and it was it was it was incredibly. Devon Smith, who yeah. you t- you're telling me he's back, he's back on the back on the radar. Well, he was playing last year, yeah, and, right. he's, and he's still playing in the in the made regional a, first. He class. made a, a brilliant <laughs> hundred in the first innings at, at Sabina Park, which is his it's, only it's test match hundred in forty yeah. in forty test matches or something. Which um, reminds me though of an of a anecdote. I won't, I won't, I won't name and shame, but one of my <laughs> colleagues, um, obviously going into the the Sunday morning of that match, locked at locked at uh, perfectly perfectly poised, but clearly a whole load of load of cricket still to be played. Mm. He thought, ah, I'll, t- I'll take this morning off and go go off. And uh, he was a Man United fan, so he was going off to go <laughs> off to a rum shack to watch Man, Man United City. I thought, you know, I'll have a, have, a, have a morning watching this. Come back and pick up England's England's batting, England's England's bowling. Sorry, and. Uh, yeah, uh, City won four one, and Harmy took seven twelve. <laughs> 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 won the back thing. Uh, oh. I'm a loser. But, uh, oh, what great can you story. Do? Yeah. I said something else that, that happened at the back end of the uh, back end of the seven for twelve, which was which raised more than a few eyebrows from us. But I just can't imagine what it was like for, for the West Indies fans. It was that the, the game was done, and uh, it was red stripe, wasn't it, in, in Jamaica? The West Indian team pretty much half of them disappeared off over into one of the stands and jumped in the, the red striped swimming pool with all of the with all the punters yeah, at the right. end of it and they're all dancing and we're, we're driving off in the bus going what they've just been bowled out for 40 45 and lost the test match or something and they're all in there going where <laughs> uh, no, no party like a caribbean party <laughs> absolutely um 
more memories will be made over the coming weeks, I'm sure. Whether Bridgetown rallies around the home side or England continue their overseas streak, imagine saying that phrase six months ago, uh, we will be back to break it all down. Uh, My thanks to Butch and Miller. You've set the tone for a big year. And cheers for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on the ESPN Cricket Coach podcast.